Turn in your Bibles to John chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. And we're going to read about the vine and the branches. The vine and the branches. And as we read this, we uh, find out Jesus is trying to explain to us what the connectivity is between he and his followers and the importance of this connectedness. So we'll read John chapter 15 and... They have it up. You have it up there yet? You want me to wait? No. Jose, you, he's, he's, he's magic with the computer. So, I am the real vine, and my father is the farmer. He cuts off every branch of me that, does, that doesn't bear grapes. And every branch that is grape-bearing, he prunes back so it will bear even more. You are already pruned back by the message that I have spoken. Live in me. Make your home in me just as I do in you. In the same way that a branch cannot bear grapes by itself, but only by being joined to the vine, you can't bear fruit unless you are joined with me. I am the vine, you are the branches. When you're joined with me and I in you, the relation, intimate and organic, the harvest is sure to be abundant. Separate, you can't produce a thing. Separated, you, cannot, you can't produce a thing. Anyone who separates from me is dead wood gathered up and thrown on the bonfire. But if you make yourselves at home with me and my words are at home in you, you can be sure that whatever you ask will be listened to and acted upon. This is how my Father shows who he is when you produce grapes, when you mature as my disciples. I've loved you the way my Father has loved me. Make yourselves at home in my love. If you keep my commandments, you'll remain intimately at home in my love. That's what I've done. Keep my Father's commandments and made myself at home in his love. I've told you these things for a purpose, that my joy might be your joy and your joy wholly mature. This is my commandment. Love one another as I have loved you. Now Jesus is illustrating to us the union of himself to each believer. To each believer there is a uniting of our life with Christ. And it's, you know, just how profound is this union that takes place in which the love of God, the life of God, flows into our lives. And how connected it has to be and how connected it has to remain. The stories that are used in scriptures that depict this type of connection are the foundation in a building. That if you try to build a house and build a building without a proper foundation, it's going to collapse. The other one uh, analogy is that Christ is the head and we as the church are the body of Christ. And the third analogy is the husband and wife, that Christ is the husband and the church is the bride. So each of these analogies is trying to give to us a depiction of how important it is for us to have this connection with Christ. So the comparison with the vine and the branches is indicated as an organic union. I I like that word, organic. There's so much uh, organic food going on. What's it mean to be organic? Without contamination. So our life is to be an organic relationship with Jesus Christ where it is completely dependent upon the life that flows to us from God. So this relationship that we have with God is extremely important. Did, Did you ever think of how important oxygen is to us? Can you live without oxygen? 
The answer is no. If you want to hold your breath for a while, you know, go right ahead, but you'll breathe. <laughs> Either that or we'll be calling 911. Uh, you know, I, since Rhonda's not here, I'll pick on her. Whenever I was, uh, I had my surgery a few weeks ago, or well, it's probably about eight weeks now, I had these staples in my back, and uh, we had to keep them dry for whenever I would take a shower, so the, the nurse um, at the doctor's office suggested we use press and seal. So you put press and seal over your your staples and things and push it in there and put some tape on the top. And sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't. But my, my only problem was when Rhonda wanted me to lay on my back and she would put it on my face and say, just relax. <laughs> she didn't do that. <laughs> so you can ask her, how did the press and seal work for your husband? You know? But we know how the, our need for oxygen is very much a part of our life. So too it is that Jesus is illustrating the relationship he knows has to exist between us and, and himself. There has to be this relational experience where the believer will come uh, in constant flow of God's spirit and God's love into our life if we are going to be fruitful, if we are going to be victorious in our relationship with Christ and in our, in our Christian walk. You know, we really fall prey to some, some really strange philosophies. Uh, I call them polluted theologies. And sometimes they're just plain foolish ideas about what being a Christian is all about and, and how that we allow certain things to um, come into our life that totally take us off track. And I mean, we've met individuals that have told us that, you know, um, I would be a Christian if it wasn't for certain Christians and, you know, I'd be this and I'd be that. Well, being connected with Christ is different than the things that we see in other people. We've got to understand what the scriptures tell us about our relationship with God and about what this relationship is to in, you know, encompass. Our relationship with Jesus Christ is not about condemnation and guilt. Our relationship with Jesus Christ is not about what's all the things that are wrong with your life and how you better straighten up or you're going to hell. Uh, there is a relationship with Jesus Christ that is about being the person that God created us to be. The relationship with Jesus Christ is about forgiveness. It's about grace. It's about mercy. It's about becoming. Now, we have individuals who will reject that, and at the end of life, they're going to have to deal with that rejection. Depart from me, I never knew you. But the relational experience with Jesus Christ is about forgiveness. It's about how that I can, as I explained a little earlier, how that I can let go of my sins, my failures, my past. How many people go through life dragging their past with them? How many people go through life with unforgiveness? How many people go through life with bitterness over the things that have happened to them? And, you know, some things right and some things wrong, but still carrying it with us. And the challenge that Christ gives to us is forgive as I have forgiven you. <laughs> forgive as I forgive. Jesus looks at us and he says, I forgive you. Now, do you, are we, are we receptive enough of God's forgiveness to forgive ourselves and to forgive others and to let that go? Because that of the past cannot make our future. Our future is in God's hands, just as this little child. 
You know, there's so much potential there. But we're going to have to train her either to become prejudiced or to be loving and accepting. We will train, yeah, see, she agreed with that one. See, <laughs> so the idea is that we have an opportunity to become and how that we have this opportunity, this relationship in order to become. I, I came across this quote and I didn't know where I was going to use it, but I'm going to use it here. It's from Mark Twain. It says, keep away from people who try to belittle your ambitions. Keep away from people who try to belittle your ambitions. Small people always do that. But they really, uh, but the real great, excuse me, really great make, oh, oh, there I go. Small people always do it. But the really great make you feel that you too can become great. See, God isn't about putting you in your place. God is about opening the door so we can find our place. We can find our ministry. We can find what God wants us to do. So being connected with Christ, we know that God wants to bless us. We know that God has a plan for us. We know that God wants to, as it were, prosper us and not harm us. But to put the polluted tag that goes with this is that we believe that God's ultimate plan for us is to be happy. <laughs> that God wants us to sit in our spiritual recliners and do nothing. <laughs> After all, we have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That's in the Bible, right? The answer is no. Okay, that's in the Bible, right? No, thank you, thank you, all right. So, the life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness is not in the Bible, it's in our, in our Constitution. So, sometimes, you see how polluted theology goes, is, well, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness is my Christian virtue. <laughs> it's my Christian duty that God make me happy. And it's a polluted idea that, that doesn't fly. Because... Whenever we try and pray and believe in God to the, to the extent that we pursue happiness at all the cost, we wrongfully believe that God exists to serve us. We wrongfully believe that our prayers are about me getting ahead and about me getting something out of God and, what he want, and, and going somewhere with, with who I am. But if the holy God of the universe is transformed somehow into a cosmic soda machine, that if we put enough money in, that if we pray the right prayer and we live the right way and we push the right buttons, we're going to get out of it what we want. And happiness depends upon happenings. Joy is that which resides in the heart over the relationship. Many, how many people have you heard say, I've tried religion, but it didn't make me, didn't make me happy. I went to church, but it didn't make my life any better. I prayed and it didn't help. God didn't answer my prayers. You see, polluted theology, polluted thinking. It's not organic, <laughs> it's polluted. So our life is about relationship. It's about what Jesus says, I am the real vine and my father is the farmer. He cuts off every branch of me that doesn't bear grapes and every branch that is grape-bearing, he prunes back so it will bear even more. You are already pruned back by the message that I have spoken. So Jesus, the creator of all things, compares himself to a vine. Here Jesus is trying to 
illustrate and get the point across to his disciples, I am the real vine. All life has its origin in me. In the Garden of Eden, God breathed into man the breath of life and he became a living soul. God breathed into us. And it is only logical that the, the giver of life would want to sustain life in us by his virtue and by his life. So he is the vine. He is the fruitful vine. And believers are the branches of the vine. And our life is in Christ and our life is that which flows from the vine to us. We know our life originated in God. Now, sometimes it's easy to tell the difference. <laughs> My wife's not here, so she can't shake her head. So I always come up with foolish things. See, <laughs> what's this? It's a branch. Is it alive? I killed it. <laughs> I got one more in here. I picked this up at Perkins this morning. There we go. Now, what's the difference? <laughs> lost my earplug, lost everything. Ugh. Uh, call my wife. So anyhow, probably lose my pants because they're watching. <laughs> Put this all back together. That's the trouble with illustrations. Sometimes they don't work out so well. All right. To those of you who are new, this happens all the time. So, what's the difference? What's the difference in these three? Well, this one's alive. You see, people who are, people who say, well, you know, I'm just as alive as any Christian. <laughs> you know, I don't go to church and I don't believe in God, but I'm just as alive as any Christian. Well, the Bible says that there are times in which God prunes us, and whenever we're pruned from the vine, whenever we're cut off from the sap coming from the tree, we're eventually going to end up dead. And this thing here is just a wannabe, <laughs> you know. And there are a lot of wannabes. They want to be this, and they want to be Christians, and they want to be whatever. And it just doesn't work out. They look good, and you can smell them. You put stuff on them and make them smell good. But they just, they've there's no life in them. So the idea then is that we have life, but the life is in the vine. And the moment we get ourselves cut off, from the life, the, the, the vine, we're going to die. And the life that we have in Christ, and Christ is trying to tell the disciples that you, you can have, and it may have all the appearances of life, but if you lose your connectedness, you lose your connectedness to the life-giving sap that, tr that flows from the, the, the root, from the vine itself, into the tree, into the branch, if you lose that, you're dead. You're not going to make it. And so what Christ is trying to tell us is, and tell his disciples is that he is the true vine and that as the true vine, his life has to flow through us. 
If we're going to make it in this life, his life has to flow through us. And that's why polluted theology makes us look at life from a dead perspective. Like, God is here to make me happy. Well, God isn't here to make you happy. God is here to give you life and to give you purpose and to give you strength to go through the difficult times. There are going to be difficult times. There are going to be times in which life falls apart. But we have a God who will be with us in those difficulties. We have times in which people are going to say things, do things, harmful things, intentional things. But we've got to be able to deal with them. And we deal with them from a perspective of forgiveness. Forgiveness doesn't erase the event. Nor does forgiveness make the event right or correct. Forgiveness allows us to deal with it in a healing way. And we can remember the event for the rest of our life, but every time we hear of it, think of it, we choose to deal with it in a healing way. See, the principles of our relationship with Jesus Christ guide us and give us direction. They give us uh, an ability to handle the most difficult things of life. Death. Death. <laughs> Grief. Hope. See, God has a way of bringing life into what would appear to be an inoperable and inappropriate and a situation that just seems I can't deal with it. And God's place and the life in God becomes life in us. And whenever we don't have that connectedness to God, where do we receive our life? Where do we receive the strength to live? And we know that pruning happens. <laughs> pruning happens whenever things, you know, things, God, why did that happen? <laughs> I don't like that. Why didn't, I wanted to go this way and, and I can't go that way anymore. And it just seemed like the door was closed and this didn't happen and that didn't happen. There's a pruning process going on. And whenever we are pruned, we're pruned back. Why? Because God doesn't like us? No, because there is an opportunity for us to become even more fruitful become more fruitful because of the pruning. <laughs> Jesus says, verse 4, live in me, make your home in me, just as I do in you. Can you imagine God wanting to be at home in us? God wants to be at home in us, and he wants us to be comfortable at home with him. God wants us to be comfortable in our life that our prayers and our relationship with him and our, and our going to church and our reading the scriptures and you know, our, our dedications and all the things that we do, that we are comfortable with him. And comfortable means that we are in a place, we did this in the, in the Sunday school, that, that we are at rest in God. Rest. Now, we talked about being at rest. What does it mean to be at rest? Sitting back in the, in, the, in the lazy boy and watching the Steelers be victorious by 60 points. You know, we can rest at that, you know. <laughs> None of these close games. And because uh, we get too anxious. But rest in the scripture is meaning that we enter, uh, the, the analogy was that the, the children of Israel had to enter the promised land, the land that God had promised Abraham, and they were to go into this promised land. But there were giants in the land. There were walled cities. And there were all these difficulties. And that was the land of promise, a land of rest. 
How can a place of conflict be a place of rest? And the challenge is that as we enter into the difficulties of life, we have promises of God that, give, that bring assurance to us so that we can deal with them. How are we going to deal with the giants? I am more than a conqueror through Christ. His word becomes the source of our strength that we are at rest in God's promise so that we can go and conquer our giants. See, sometimes our polluted theologies think, well, I'm going to be at rest. That means I'll never have another problem. It isn't that I won't have a problem, but there will be life in the vine. <laughs> and the difficulties that we face will find a source of strength and that I won't be cut off from all of the source of my strength. And Jesus says, make your home in me just as I do in you. Just in the same way that a branch cannot bear grapes by itself, this branch can't bear fruit by itself. It's got to be connected or it's going to die. You can't bear fruit unless you are joined with me. And then verse 5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. When you're joined with me and I with you, the relation is intimate and organic. The relationship that we have with God is intimate and it is completely natural. Did you ever find sometimes that we think whenever we pray or whenever we're going to church or whatever, it feels like an unnatural thing? Well, in the, in the reality of the relationship, it should be as natural as being part of sitting down with your best friend. Being in church and in your relationship with God, it should be as natural and without pollution. <laughs> and it should be as natural as sitting down with your best friend and having a conversation. He goes on to say, the harvest is sure to be abundant. Whenever we have this relationship with God, what comes of it is going to bear fruit. It's going to make a difference in our life and in the lives of the people around us. Separate, separated, you can't produce a thing. Sorry. <laughs> separated, you can't produce a thing. It is dead. Separated from God is about all that's left. And when it's all over, it's going to be pitched in the fire and burnt. But if you make yourselves at home with me and my words are at home in you, you can, and the King James says, you, you can ask what you will. You can ask whatever it is you want and be sure that God will listen. God knows the desires of our heart, but do we know the desires of God's heart? And with looking at this as if God has a purpose for my life, and not me trying to inform God what he's supposed to do for me. <laughs> that I am, I am in this relationship because the God who created me in my mother's womb has a purpose for my life, and I will never find it running around trying to, trying to get. I'm going through life with promises of God, resting in his promises, knowing that he has a purpose for me, and that God is giving God is bestowing, God is blessing, and that God will help me in the difficult times of my life. 
verse 9 and 10. Jesus says, I've loved you, and he's telling the disciples this, I've loved you the way my Father has loved me. Jesus is reflective of the relationship that he has had, that he has with the Father. And here it is, what does the Lord's Prayer say? Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation. It's talking about a relational experience in which we have a relationship with God and which we reflect that to the people around us. Make yourselves at home in my love. Keep my commandments. Did you know the commandments were given to protect us and provide for us? God wanted to protect us from harming ourselves and others. That's why he said, don't steal, don't kill, don't bear false witness. He's giving us directions that will protect our life and that will keep us. God has a way of working in our life. So the whole polluted theology says, you, got, you know, it doesn't work. You know, you pray and it doesn't happen. I go to church and he didn't change me. I did this. I saw these people. I saw those people. Forget that. Look at what God is saying to us in his word in the relationship that Jesus Christ wants to establish with us. Jesus said, that's what I've done. I've kept my father's commands. And I've made myself at home in his love. I got to hold my pants up. <laughs> that was my big belt. <laughs> you want your little child to be at home in your love. That's what a family is. You know, you're going to correct. You're going to put boundaries. You're going to, you know, lock her in a room till she's 21 so she doesn't date till then. And uh, <laughs> that's what we always said about Rachel, you know. <laughs> She's 13, 12, going on 21. We said, we're locking you up. Forget it. You're not going to date anybody. You know. But what well, we do these things, why? Protection, guidance. Why do we give boundaries? Why do we give rules and regulations and stuff? Because we're protecting and guiding. God says, don't do this because he's protecting and he's guiding. He wants us to be at home in his love just as much as we want to create a home where love is the founding principle. See, love in 1 Corinthians 13, love doesn't keep score of wrongdoing. <laughs> I love that one. Uh, love doesn't keep score of wrongdoing. Love has a way of overlooking, not pretending that it doesn't exist. Love has a way of correcting, dealing, healing, making the most. And it says, I've told you these things for a purpose that my joy might be in you and your joy might be full and mature. So, <laughs> God has a purpose. So, if you can imagine, what are we going to do? We're going to sit down with God <laughs> as a friend with a friend. You know, in the garden, did you know what we were created for? We were created to walk with God. In the garden, we were created to walk with God. God came down in the cool of the day and walked with Adam and Eve as a friend. Our relationship with Jesus Christ, our relationship with God is like sitting down with our best friend and realizing what a great purpose God has for us. His purpose is that our joy might be full. <laughs> our joy might be full, not our happiness. Happiness depends upon happenings. Joy depends upon the security of a relationship. 
Joy transcends the rolling tides of circumstances. Our love, our life is intertwined. Our life, our love is intertwined with our relationship with God as a vine in the branches, as life flowing out of. You know, I, I, I close with this. I think of the relation, I think of, um, I've used this story before, so you've all heard, you've never heard this. Uh, <laughs> the giant sequoias, okay? The giant sequoias. How do they exist? How do they stay secure? There is an intertwining of all of the roots systems. And the root system in a giant sequoia is about 10 to 12 feet thick, deep. And that these thousands and thousands of pounds don't sink into the earth because it's kind of almost like on a trampoline of roots. And that when the winds come, there is such a strength in the roots that it doesn't blow over. The only place that the giant sequoias are subject to uh, winds and storms is on the edges. The inner trees are safe because of the connectedness of the root system. And that one tree at a source of water will supply uh, most of the other trees in an entire region because it will transfer the fluid, the, the water, from one tree to another through the entire root system. This is what God is for us. It is his spirit that flows through our life and gives us life, gives us strength, gives us direction. And it is that life and that strength that gives us hope. And it is in that place of a relational experience with Jesus Christ that we have life now and for eternity. Amen? Shall we stand? Thank you for bringing your child. <laughs> Thank you for coming. May we all recognize the value of the gift of life, not only in a baby, but in each one of us. The value of your life, we've only just begun. Don't worry, I'm not going to sing that one either. <laughs> we've only just begun to understand the opportunities that are in front of us because of what God has given to us. He is the vine, we are the branches, and we're connected to him for an eternity. Thank you, Lord, for forgiving us of our sins. Thank you, O oh God, for helping us let go of our past failures and mistakes. Help us, O oh God, to see your plan, your purpose, your life, your love and how that it works in us and through us. Flow through us now, O oh God, we pray, that we might sense your purpose, feel your spirit, and recognize the life, the gift of life that you have given us. Help us, Lord, to use that gift to make a difference, not only in our life, but in the lives of the people around us. We pray in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, and everyone said... Amen. God bless you.